Welcome to Seds and Sandals, a PE podcast by the Lancashire Post. This week we're taking a look back at the Wigan game at the weekend, looking ahead to the Stoke City game and the Millwall game, talking team news and answering some questions sent in to us. So let's get into it. Hello and welcome to Seds and Sandals. My name is Tom Sandals and with me is Dave Seddon. We're going to be talking about all things PE and a bit more as per usual. We're here at UCLan to record the podcast, so as per usual, again, we'd like to say thank you very much to the university. Dave, third episode, scored a hat-trick. That's the best way to consider it, surely. Back in the net, mate. Yeah. Back in the net, we're here. Taking third time lucky. We've, we've managed three times now. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's not bad, is it? I know, yeah. We've been on time all three times as well. Yeah, I know. Not Ma- too match bad. ball alone. Going to have to go take it back to the office, get everyone to sign it and yeah, get, it, abs- get it framed. Yeah, absolutely. Is it a genuine hat-trick? Head and left, left <laughs> yeah. foot and right foot. Perfect hat-trick, that one. Yeah. 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 Right. Well, straight into it then. Let's start at the weekend in front mm-hmm. of all the sky cameras. Mm-hmm. North End beating Wigan. There's this myth, isn't there, that Preston don't win on Sky? The record's yeah. pretty good, actually, this uh, this season and last. So, yeah, uh, yeah. No, great win, 2-1. Um, probably made it a little bit harder work mm. for themselves than potentially it might have been mm. in the fact that they were 2-0 up, what, two minutes into the second half? Yeah. Um, then let Wigan pull one back, what, 57 minutes, you know, before the hour. And it meant the, the last half hour, plus six <laughs> minutes of stoppage time that the referee found... I'm not saying it was hairy, but it was. There were times when you're thinking it didn't feel like half an hour. That's no, sure. it felt it felt like about four days at times, yeah. didn't it? Yeah, but but he got there in the end. Funnily enough, I thought once they got into six minutes of stoppage time, mm. they were fine. I didn't feel nervous at all then. I felt I don't know. Sometimes when the fourth official puts a big amount of injury time on the board, it gives that the chasing team mm. such a such a lift sometimes. Yeah, but I just thought. I don't know. I don't know. It just focused North End's mind. I don't know. And I thought they really played that last six minutes out really mm. well. There was nothing in that little in that last stoppage time which worried yeah. me. We were, they were getting the ball into the corners. Yeah. They were, you know, they, they winning free kicks which they hadn't done for yeah. probably the last half an hour. North End weren't really winning those free kicks mm. to let themselves out, which they're normally quite yeah. good at. They they weren't really hitting a front man. They weren't really being able to play anything further forward, but. Those six minutes, it's, it all seemed yeah. to start kind of going North End's way a little bit. Yeah, I thought the sort of the more worrying time were when I thought Wigan's pressure really peaked was sort of 75, 80 through to the 90. You know, that's yeah. when when they took Kiefer Moore off, who I thought had a really good game, actually. Yeah. I know North End had a look at him a couple of summers yeah. ago. He, um, he's six foot five. You think, well, his strength's going to be in the air. He was good in the air, but I thought he was decent on I the floor. I thought he was very well. mobile. Yeah, I yeah. didn't realise how quite how mobile he was. Mm. I, I must admit, I'd not seen a great deal of him, and I knew North End were linked with him at the time. Yeah. But he was willing to run the channels, mm-hmm. and and I remember when we were in the press box that there was a couple of rows right in front of us where they were absolutely fuming at one point because he ended up on the wing putting yeah. the crosses in. I mean, he's a, he was a willing runner to to go and do the channels, and mm-hmm. I thought I thought he, yeah I thought he did a pretty good yeah, job. Yeah, he's not a lump, is he? You know, no. he's mobile. Yeah, yeah, he took him off and put Joey Gardner on. Mm. Joey Gardner, our, our fans' favourite. Now, if I don't know, you know, I'm not. We're not Wigan's manager. Now, to me, as a layman watching that just go for it you know put Garner on and have more on but you know yeah. thank goodness they didn't yeah and, I mean uh, they didn't yeah. have much to lose because North End weren't really coming at them at that stage no. and they couldn't really get out so yeah. why not mm-hmm. sort of take advantage especially like you say with the, the way Kiefer Moore was playing yeah yeah but the thing is you know, had they held that 2-0 lead a little bit longer had they gone sort of beyond the hour 65-70 minutes I think they would have seen it out comfortably mm. even got a third but you know Wigan score, you know, saw fine margins, and Wigan scoring when they did just gave them that extra lift. But yeah. you know, here we are, two or three days on. They won two one. You know, it's three yeah. points. It's a fourth away win of the season. It's five unbeaten away in the league, which is pretty good going because Especially the away, the the, yeah, the away <laughs> form hasn't been brilliant this season. But that's two, you know, two away wins on the bounce as well. You know, yeah. after Barnsley and obviously got the the other one at Stoke as well. Yep. So if we start with the. Uh... The early part of the game, North End came out the traps really quick, started mm. the game really well. And for me, you say there that, you know, had North End scored a bit later on, it would have been game over. For me, it should have already been game over. The, yeah. the, the chances that North End had early on, the pressure that they had, I personally don't think the pressure, pressure told enough mm-hmm. because I think, it, I mean, Maguire's header, everyone 
uh, and I, I must admit, I still haven't seen it back, but everyone, especially the players, have said, I can't believe David Marshall pulled off that save. So we can't really criticise Sean Maguire in that scenario. Scott Sinclair should have done better mm. with, with his chance. To, uh, that pass for Sinclair was almost as good as the one for, for, for DJ, the, mm. the straight pass that just split the defence. Um, and I, But I can't help but feel like the pressure that North End had and the fluidity they were playing with at that time probably should have resulted in at least two, maybe mm. not, if not, three goals early on they could have put the bet the game to bed within 20-25 minutes but yeah. um, the, but you know let's not criticise what was a very very good start um, mm. there's a great someone I, I forget his name on Twitter but some North End fan tweeted me and he said it was the first time in open play mm. this season away from home that Preston have scored in front of their at the end where their own <laughs> fans are they've scored penalties right I think the odd free kick or something, you know, uh, uh, but they've never actually scored from open play before oh Tom Barkay's in early doors at, uh, <laughs> on Saturday at Wigan. Now, that's some stat. That's a long way. Now, I was asking Darnell Fisher yesterday. They turned, if you noticed, they turned round at, at the kickoff, you mm. know, like uh, North End had warmed up in front of their, fa- you know, the North Stand end of the ground at Wigan, Wigan at the South End. Yeah, and traditionally you kick away from your supporters in the first half. Yeah. But I was talking to Darnell Fisher when we went down for the interviews yesterday, and he actually said that it was Wigan who turned, you know, turned it round. Yeah. So, and they did it, I remember, three years ago we went there and Hugo missed that early penalty. We attacked the North End fans end in the first half uh, so maybe it was a ploy on Wigan's part or you know like they won't have the fans behind him yep. um, you know in the second half it's anyway, all about mind games isn't yeah, it yeah yeah but but you know as it was um, you know really good opening five or six minutes a yeah. goal went in we, we, we've talked about the goal so much since that, since that, then that pass great pass <laughs> from you know ball, ball work down the left I think with Andrew Hughes mm. uh, cross got blocked came to Sinclair he knocked it inside to uh, Piero knocked a superb ball down, just split the sort of between the you know between the wing back and the the, the centre half. There, Johnson was in a lot of room and he, he knocked a great ball across. And yeah. Tom Barkay's and coming in at the far post didn't have to break his stride. It's just sort of get yeah. your foot on it. Good it hit him, him really. Great the way, goal. The yeah. way of the pass and everything. Yeah. You know? Then then scoring again very early in the second half. You know that was key. Wigan, you know, I'm sure Paul Cook would have been in the Wigan dressing room, getting them fired up. You know, come on, let's try and win the second yeah. half. And within two minutes, nothing silly early on. <laughs> yeah, nothing. Yeah, exactly. And you know, a nightmare for managers when you can see that that time. Yeah. Um. You, you know, your whole team took almost yeah. to part. Spend 15 but, minutes trying to get things organised. Two minutes later, it's all gone, yeah. and you've got to change everything. But it, again, it was a well worked goal. I think you mm. know, credit to Patrick Bauer who won won his tackle down that yeah. right inside right channel in his own half. Barkhausen picked the ball up from him, took it down the pitch, inside to um, into it. Alan Brown, yep. carried on with his run to get the ball back, and it was a lovely first time cross into DJ. Came in, DJ's got stuck in his feet a little yeah. bit. He had to dig it out, but he recovered very well and just drilled it into that bottom corner. Yeah, you see him take the time, and you think, "Is it gone?" You're like, "Oh, go on, just get get yeah. the shot off, get the shot off." And to be fair, he takes it well, doesn't he? Yeah, and I think. I think you interviewed Tom Barkhausen after the game and mm. he, I think, you know, as he put that cross in, if it hadn't got stuck under DJ's feet, what DJ normally does with him being left-footed, electric runs across his body and he'll mm. open his body out and just guide it into the far bottom corner. Yeah. As it was, he had to control it and he sort of put it sort of back on himself. And it, oh, yeah. it was a right tidy finish. And that's, what, uh, that's what that's what Barky was saying mm. in the post-match, that he knew once he took that, to, that's what he wanted to do, but mm. the situation didn't allow it and because of what a calm character... Uh, Johnson is he was able just to kind of compose himself and, and I thought it was a, a quite a smart finish in the end that mm. he knew he wanted to go to the left everyone else did but he was able to close his body up and still get a, a good enough strike on it and I, I must say I know I, t- I tweeted about it as well but that, that post-match with Tom Barkhazen was probably the best post-match I've ever had we, we all we, we, we came in he, he came into the, the post-match and there was um, me and a couple of other reporters there and he basically said can I sit down? And it was like, yeah, sure, do, do whatever you want. So we all like pulled up a chair and we all just sat around having a conversation. And, and you know the way Tom Barkhazen is. There's no airs of graces on him. He's, he's just a, he's just as much as a, a genuine guy as you'll as you'll meet, which a lot of the squad are. And it, it was just a general general chat about the game and what he was thinking. And well, I, I came in no part way through it. I've been doing some other interviews and I, I walked in where it wasn't in the main 
press room auditorium, mm. wasn't it? It was in the working area next to it. You're all in a sort of circle of chairs and you look like you're in a sort of self-help group, <laughs> you know, sort of <laughs> a therapy session almost. Yeah. But like, as you said, Tom Tom, Tom Barcazen was there sort of holding court and <laughs> he, he's, he's straight to the point, isn't he? You know, yeah, he, he loves it. He, he was talking about his Derby goals. That's eight, 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 got eight goals in derbies and... Yeah. Blackburn, Wigan and Bolton and he, he was lamenting the fact that Bolton are no yeah. more in this division. That was part of the self-help. We were all there trying <laughs> yeah. to ease the pain of him losing a goal every game against <laughs> against Bolton. Yeah. Um, Some record though, that in derbies, isn't it? Yeah. You know, to, yeah. You know. and, and to be fair, North End's record in derbies um, under Alex Neal is pretty good. And mm. to be fair, it was under Simon Grayson yeah. as well when you think the they, won at, they won at Burnley. Black, yeah, they, they won at Burnley that time with DJ and um, Will Keane. Uh, yeah. Collector's item, wasn't yeah. it? Scoring. And he was already he was already yeah. keen to go back to United after yeah. the game. They went to went to, they went to Rovers and won. You know the second. You know they did lost the, the the home game, but they went to Rovers and won at Ewood with Joey Gardner doing his chicken impression <laughs> yeah. and everything. Hugill scoring that goal. Yeah, uh, they, they went. Yeah, they went to Bolton and won, didn't they? You know, yeah. Owen Doyle scoring late on, or Marnie Bermil. I don't know who claimed that one in the end. So yeah, fortunately, you know, Dar- you know, in derbies they've been mm. doing okay. You know, quite well. I know the Wigan derby isn't seen as as much as a derby as Rovers is. Mm. Um, Greater more, Manchester and all this. Well, yeah, you know, Wigan were in Lancashire, in Greater Manchester boundaries now, but it's more. Wigan's more viewed as a sort of Northwest derby, isn't it? I think yeah. you call it an M6 derby, which I'll uh, sack you for later because <laughs> we're, we're giving these daft titles, aren't we, to derby games? What about the, the, Dock, the Docklands derby? Is that Plymouth and Portsmouth and they're about 250 miles apart? Oh, I mean, East yeah. Anglian derbies are a bit of a stretch as well, well isn't it? Yeah, but the, at least they're in the way. same sort of area of yeah, the country. I suppose. I we'll, suppose. Call, we'll call Wigan a Northwest derby, but Blackburn was yeah, we'll more give, we'll lock, give them it. the local <laughs> derby. It's Wigan and Bolton, really, isn't it? Wigan and Bolton, well, if we ever play Blackpool again, if, you know, that, that, yeah. that's, that's yeah. further from Blackburn, but... Yeah, sort of, I think it's more everyone intense. has the pair, don't they? Yeah. North End, Blackpool, Wigan, and Bolton, yeah. Rovers, and Burnley. Burnley yeah. You know, it's it's who you're playing at the time. Yeah, you know, you've got to make do sometimes. <laughs> no, yeah, no, North End went through. We we played Burnley so often. We're in the same division for such a long time. Followed yeah. each other around the sort See, of in the nineties and two thousands, and obviously they've got up to the Prem, you know, recently. But you know that that was a that got quite intense at one point yeah. and then I think it got a little bit well, see that's again. the thing yeah. for me because I'm I'm 23 when I was growing up mm-hmm. a lot of our games our big games were Burnley Yeah, where it was it was North End and Burnley both in the championship Blackpool were, were, weren't really in the picture so as I, when I was growing up the, the big rivalry was, was Burnley it was Adi Akinbayi Robbie Blake all those sorts of games yeah. where where it, and, and to be fair, they were generally quite high scoring as well. Yeah. You're just showing off there. I'm, I'm 23. <laughs> well, blimey. T- Tom's the younger one here, certainly. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing. I won't say how old I am, but I'm a lot older than that. One of my favourite uh, games in the office yeah. is where uh, people talk about an event that was 20 years ago or so. Yeah. And I, I go, oh, do you want to know how old I was then? Yeah. <laughs> just to rub I, it I remember when I was a nipper, I got on uh, kickoff. It used to be the. Um, the Granada Goals program on a Tuesday, on a uh, Sunday afternoon, a highlights program. They used to send cameras to two or three games, mm. and uh, I remember I was walking to Turf Moor with me dad to go and watch North End play, mm. and uh, there was a, cam- a camera, a camera, you know, a guy with a handheld camera sort of leaned out over a wall from the ground, and I held up my blue and white scarf, which I wouldn't do now going to <laughs> Turf Moor. I've got to admit. <laughs> and, and lo and behold, there I was on the sort of build-up piece to the, to the game the day after. Oh, wow. You know? That's it good. The, and it was the days before videos and things yeah. like that. So it's I've, not, I've it's, it's not there on uh, prosperity, I'm afraid. Yeah. I'm, I'm afraid. I remember just... I got on... Um, I remember Take It Like a Fan when that used to be there. I came... I, I got, like, some badges that were given out. But my, my only one was... Um, do, they, they must have been there like ITN or whatever after, after a game for the for the highlights show. I think Mark Chapman was presenting on BBC at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, and they came and they were they were filming us in the in the crowd. There must have been about uh, maybe a dozen at best. They were all on the stand, and so they got us all to cheer into the camera and stuff. And then one of my friends who wasn't really in the camera decided to jump on the back of everyone, which meant one person at the front just completely disappeared <laughs> off the shot. And um, and he was wearing glasses at the time, so Mark Chapman was like, so. They, they kind of did this bit separately like just keep an eye on this little Harry Potter at the yeah. front <laughs> his glass in there. now just watch and then as as my mate jumps on the back of us all mm-hmm. he disappears oh, <laughs> and he left it at the bit just to, yeah. left the it Jakes at the end just to take, eh? the mat, <laughs> take the mic but um, yeah so going back to Wigan 
<laughs> they played 3-5-2. Sean mm. Maguire started. Yeah. Simple as that really, wasn't it? They played three at the back. Wanted Sean Maguire to start to stretch the defence. Yeah, we, had, we there was a lot of... Where the team sheet came out and got published, a lot of questions on social media. Oh, Harrop, Josh Harrop was was left out of the um, eleven. Um, and Maguire came in. Now, Maguire isn't some people's favourite at the moment. Mm. Harrop is, and obviously cause a talking point. We asked Alex Neal after the game for his thoughts on it, and he said against a three-man a three-man centre back line, he said Maguire, the way he operates, diagonal runs, darting off the back, <laughs> he was wins. ideal. Basically, he picked two defenders out. He said Cal ne- Nesmith. Yep who he knew, he knew from, from playing at Rangers when he was up in Scotland with Hamilton. He said he started off as a striker, went to the left wing, went to a left wing back, and here he was playing left side of cent- cent- central defence. So he thought there's a bit of a weakness there. He thought Cedric Kripri, Kripri, he said, is vulnerable to people running off his shoulder. Yep. And so it was a case of taking advantage of how the opposition lined up. Um, and... I thought Maguire did fine. You know, mm. he nearly scored a header. He worked. He worked his socks off. I don't think that that's something that can never be labelled at Maguire. He might not be getting the goals this season, yep. but work rate isn't something he lacks. He, you know, he, he is an absolute grafter. Whether he's lost a little bit of sort of um, burst of speed with his hamstrings, I don't know. But yeah. we're, we're more than a year now since his last hamstring injury. You know, since he's come back, so that's fine. But but he did fine. But I think we touched on this last week, uh, last week's podcast, Tom, and you know, writing in the paper and on the website since that um, against Wigan. Well, in the games against Swansea and Barnsley, he played an unchanged lineup, mm. and he was having he worked this diamond at Barnsley, which worked really well with Sinclair and Barcaves and playing as a sort of two up front, but playing quite wide yep. against Swansea, not wanting to change the eleven who had done so well at Barnsley, he stuck with it, flipped it into a different formation. Shoehorned. And it didn't it didn't work as well as he wanted until he put Dave Nugent in yeah. up front. After about didn't have a lot yeah. in the game, did he, no. up front? After about 65 minutes, he brought him on in the Swansea game and he looked better for it. So I think the feeling was against Wigan, he was always going to play a, a striker. Now, I know Maguire's yeah. played a lot out left this season, but he was bought as a striker. It's his favourite position. If you had to ask Phil Maguire, where do you want to play, fella? It's sort of, I play as a number nine, number nine. please. Yeah. Well, he'll, he'll like any player, he'll play anywhere. Yeah. So I think and they were always going to play against uh, play it with a natural striker against Wigan. They did it at Deepdale on the second game of the season. Louis Malt played there, yeah. scored. Did very well. And Alex Neal is a manager. He does like to look back how they've played against an opposition in the past. And he obviously thought, having a proper striker there, a link striker, this was going to work, you know. So, and then it's a case of who do you leave out of that sort of the wide players, the number ten, one of the midfielders. Who, who do you leave out? Unfortunately, with Josh Arup and Neil himself said he didn't like doing it, yeah. but because he's been in such good form recently. But he wasn't going to leave Sinclair out. No. He wasn't going to leave Barkhausen out. He had Maguire in there. He had DJ as a ten. He wasn't going to leave DJ out. He had Alan Brown and Ben Pearson further back. He wasn't going to leave Pearson out. You're one where you thought maybe Alan Brown, potentially, because his stronger position is as a 10 rather than further back, but he probably needed another tackler in there. He needed a mm-hmm. bit more stiffness in that yeah, centre of midfield. Yeah, it was always going to be a bit of a midfield battle, especially you've got yeah. Sam Morsi who likes to put himself about. It's always like Morsi and Pearson coming up against each other. They're a similar and, type, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. I think I think the big thing as well, and you go back to the, the Charlton away game where it, it was highlighted a lot, although he did get injured, is is Johnson could do that in-between mm-hmm. press role where, if needed, he can drop into a, a sort of flat midfield three or he mm-hmm. can do the number 10. And he, he's, he's a very clever player in that he can do that in-between role and Alex Neal likes that. Whereas Josh Harrop, and I, and I put this question to him um, at press yesterday, mm-hmm. that he has very different options for that number 10 role. Yeah. Like Josh Harrop likes to kind of sit in that space, doesn't mm-hmm. really like to go past or, or come deep. Alan Brown likes to time his runs for when the ball arrives to go in behind, whereas DJ likes to make those runs in mm-hmm. anticipation and break the lines. Uh-huh. So I think with that in mind, he wants he wanted DJ to break the lines and, and make those runs and obviously pay dividends. Yeah. And I think it was just a case of different option, like you say, just not being able to fit Harrop in rather yeah. than being dropped. He did something similar with uh, 
Joe Rafferty that yeah. he said he was on the bench just because he didn't deserve not to be involved, which well, is yeah. which is quite rare for Alex Neil. Really, he's, he doesn't. Yeah. He's not really normally the he's not sentimental. sentimental no. no, he's not really the sentimental type, is he? He normally just has his bench for what he sees as best to affect a game rather than mm-hmm. past form. Yeah, I think in um, most scenarios he has one one defender on the bench mm. who can cover a fullback position and the centre half position. That was Tom Clark this time. Um, and then, but as you say, he decided to put Rafferty on. He didn't deserve to. Rafferty, after filling in so well at left back, didn't deserve to be bombed from the squad completely. Yeah. So he had him on the bench. It was probably Ryan Ledson who suffered as a result of that. You, you, when you look at it, well, he didn't really have a, a defensive midfielder on the bench, you know. So um, yeah, but I think I think with I think with this with Alex Neal and the, the North End squad. I think we've got to accept there will be changes from game to game. Of course, we've all got our favourite players, haven't we? You know, you want to see. Harris is a big favourite. He's a talented lad, but the, the, this this game at Wigan probably wasn't best suited to him. And when he came on as sub, he didn't really get into it. Mm. Now, there could be, it could be at Stoke or it could be against Millwall on Saturday. Harrop's in and the game suits him down to the ground yeah. and he's the match winner on the day. He plays a really big part in it. It will happen. There'll be, there'll be games where it might not suit Barcazen to play. Might not suit, you know, Mike Maguire for how well he came in against Wigan and played. It might not suit him to play mm. at Stoke or against Millwall. Stockley's it's, a prime example yeah. of that. He's changed mm. games on his own at times, but yeah. other times he can't even get a kick. Yeah. Horses for courses, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so. absolutely. And it's not—it's not favoritism. It's not all. Of course, he's going to have players he trusts yeah. to do certain jobs. But I think when you, when you you know maybe we'll get onto this later. But probably there's a core of a sort of eight or nine players who he you know who he wants to get out on the pitch most of the time. And then there's probably two or three others positions which swap and change depending on who they're playing and mm. I think a lot of it is how much they he thinks they know the system I know, mm. I know everyone knows it but some will still know it better and work it better than others mm. I think for, like you say the people he trusts Tom Barkays and I think he put his house on yeah. especially the work rate he does and how how he spoke about how intelligent he is same with Gally and DJ as well He's, he really praises their intelligence speaking of um, of Tom Barkazen him and DJ double figures for the season now great stuff that yeah 10 goals each uh, all DJs are in the league mm. Tom Barkazen 8 league 2 in the Carabao Cup at Bradford yep. um, so great guns because I think North End, North End have struggled for goals in previous seasons. They've always had someone around this time pulling away in double figures. Jordan Hugo, before he left January two years ago, I think he got 10 or 11 by the yep. time he went. Callum Robinson got 13 last season, and that included four months out. With yeah, hamstring he'd got strain. around double figures yeah. by the time he took that injury yeah. midway through the season. I think he came back and got one more, didn't he? One or two more, that was about it. Alan Brown last season got up to about 12, but you do... but. We've not really had two players on double figures around this time of the season. Mm. Now, if if both are to stay fit, if both are to stay in form, you'd like to think both should be sniffing towards a sort of 15, 16 yeah. mark, wouldn't you? And if you can have two players doing that, Harrop's not far behind. He's on no, the eight, eight or nine, or yeah. is he? So you'd like to think there's a couple more coming from him. Yep. Um, I think Neil labelled the sort of, he said there's other positions they need to get firing. Whoever's playing as a number nine needs to he score more. He wants more goals from his number nine. When you nine, think about he? it, what, Maguire, four goals. How many of those have been scored from the left-hand side rather than up front? Mm. Stockley's on two, I think it is. Mm. Nugent's on one. Louis yep. Malt, um, he's obviously out now for the rest of the season with his knee injury but great to see him back back on the grass back on the grass training yesterday doing some running um, he, he got what that that one against Wigan early in the season that game we alluded to so and probably probably need one or two more set pieces from the centre halves yeah. Bowers got Patrick Bowers got two yeah. don't think Ben Davis has scored this season no I don't think so no. he's they've not 14, scored many no they've had four, yeah they've had 14 different goal scorers in the championship this season mm. 16 overall so you know in other competitions which is not a bad spread I would have thought yeah yeah. I must say as well it's a nice time to kind of shout it out that um, I saw Louis Malt was, was speaking to the, the young North End fan that they had at the training ground um, and, and Declan Rudd spent a lot of time with them as well I just think it's worth mentioning what a great sort of video that was of, of the, the young North End fan who had, who had lost his dad and, and North End were helping him through all that I just with wanted his, to with um, his mental health and yeah. I think they're looking to help youngsters who have mental health issues yeah. struggling a little bit and what a good thing that fo- footballs and sport in general it's such a good way to sort of maybe help people in that 
use it as a distraction, use it as a therapy almost, um, you know, just a bit of a support, you know, and, it, you know, I, I think at times underestimate how how good, you know, how much a sort of a sporting club or football club can do on that front, you know, yeah. so it attracts, you know, football attracts people from all walks of life, of all our different sort of ups and downs, strengths and weaknesses, and if it can help these people, you know, if it can help anyone in any way, fantastic. It's massive, and the effort, mm. the, 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 the little gestures that, like, uh, I think Declan Rudd gave him a shirt or a, mm. um, a tracky top or something that they'd, they'd all signed and mm. things like that, so obviously we'll all, everyone's going to criticise the club when they do something wrong, whether it's the, the frustrated with the slow training ground building or where gentry days and stuff but it's always worth um giving credit where it's due as well which i think was a great uh, a great thing the club but the club does a lot of work in the community as yeah. well so it's not just it's not just that but it's uh, it's definitely worth uh, worth mentioning so tomorrow stoke city mm-hmm. how'd you fancy it can they do it on a wet, windy night at the Stadium? It used to be Britannia. Yeah. Forecast isn't too bad at the moment. I, I was looking on the on, on the forecast before. It's going to be cold, but it looks like it's clearing up. I don't think we're going to... Because um, Stoke posted a picture or video of their ground yesterday, and it was snowing in the afternoon, which was a delight. Uh, I think you could go to Stoke's ground in the middle of July in a heat wave and it'd be cold. Yeah, You know, it's on top of a hill. Wind whistles in because of not filled in one of the corners, and oh my word, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's a definitely definitely a tough place to go. They're twentieth in the league, so they're only five points better off than Wigan, who are the last team in the in the relegation zone. Michael O'Neill's come out, come in and and pick them up a bit, so they're yeah. still they, it still feels like they're in that crest of a wave. The new new manager bounce. He's kind of changed the formation. Nathan Jones quite like to stick to a, a narrow diamond that mm. the similar to to the one at Barnsley. He's changed it into a, a 4-2-3-1, giving Nick Powell that role in the number 10 where he did well for Wigan. They yeah. brought in Tyrese Campbell, who's got five goals in his last seven games, a young player trying to prove himself. And then around that, you have kind of the proven quality of Joe Allen, Sam Clucas, Tom Ince, James McLean. So it's it's not a bad side, is it? No, no, they shouldn't have been down there. Let's have it right. Um, but as you say, status and money guarantees nothing. You know, you've got to put the, the work in and for some it just wasn't working under that previous manager mm. for some reason. Um they gave him know, plenty of time as well to be did, fair. Yeah, he did he, he Nathan Jones did a great job at Luton. You mm. can see why, you know, a manager who was doing well in League One, you know, for for a championship club, you think he could be the one to sort of step up, run with it you know, new new ideas, but it just didn't work for him. And, um, you know, I don't think it's, you know, la- last season they, they were sort of bottom half and then this season they started so badly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they looked. But, they looked almost yeah. condemned at one yeah. point. It didn't needed. They? It, you know, they, they obviously wanted a manager who could get them out of it. You know, confident, work with what they got to start with, and then build from there. Obviously, they did try Alex Neil, as we know, yeah. th- three months ago. In, in it's the Alex Neil. The, Wigan was the Dave Seddon derby. Is this the Alex <laughs> Neil derby now? Exactly. With, with yeah, I, I, I used to cover Wigan and them in distant past. Yeah. So, but with the Stoke, yeah, with the Stoke one, yeah, they, they tried to. You know, get Alex Deal at start of November. Mm. Um, didn't really didn't... shy away from the question either when you no. asked it. It was, it was like he just kind of said they decided they wanted someone else in a way. I don't think it was mm. quite like that, but he said, you know, they've they've yeah. gone a different way, and and I'm happy. They're happy with what they've got. He said, I'm yeah. happy here. So, yeah. and he stayed and stayed for a battle to try and get into the top six. Yeah. We're still down at Stoke, whatever the size of the club and the backing or whatever, they are still fighting a relegation battle. They won't, they won't get relegated. I'm pretty mm. confident of that. Of all, uh, <laughs> watch me eat my words. But yeah. I'd, be, I'd be very surprised now if, if Stoke went down. They look, they're good at home, six unbeaten at home recently. Uh, so it'd be, a bit, it'd be a, uh, you know, it will be a tough game. And you ran through the squad there. They've got some decent players there, but obviously, until recently, they haven't really been showing it. But yeah. And that's Nick, not mentioned yeah. Sam Vokes, who can't, who, who's been who's mm-hmm. occasionally on the bench, who yeah. came from Burnley in the Premier League. Yeah, and they've got Sam Clucas, haven't they? Yeah. As you say, Tyrese Campbell's an interesting one. I remember him playing for Stokes youth team against North End's youth team about three years ago in the sixth round quarterfinals of the FA Youth Cup. Uh, he was an absolute beast that night. He was mm. a really, really big lad. Stokes team, youth team that night were were massive, you know, Harry Souter who's on loan at uh, Fleetwood, Fleetwood uh, he was in the centre of defence, they had, you know, Campbell. Scottish, and, Australian, you Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> Tyrese Campbell, son of Kevin Campbell, the old Everton and uh, Arsenal player, he, you know, 
he was up front that night and he just looked an absolutely massive side, you know, and uh, Campbell's come in. I think he played against North End last season at the, uh, you know, at the best seat, 3-6-5, mm. and we won 2-0. Um, and he he looked quite decent that day. And then I think they loaned him to Shrewsbury the week after or something, yeah. which I found, I found really strange. I thought of, of all the players on show that day, he looked like the, more, the most likely to do something. Yeah. Mm. Was it was it Josh Tymon they had a, a left wing back on the day and they, they hooked him yeah. early on because he was the first getting overrun? Half, didn't yeah. They, yeah, they had Benny Kafobi playing. They had some big names playing yeah. there. And and to be fair, North, North End were a lot better on the day. Yeah, Brad Potts scored, I think. Yeah, he did. Breakaway goal towards the end. Alan Brown scored early on. Yep. So good yeah, yeah, it was, a, it was a, good, a good goal. That wasn't it. Was it the one on the on the turn and struck it on his yeah, left? Yeah, I think I think uh, Darnell Fisher had a shot or a cross blocked. It felt fell to Brown and he sort of spun, fired it into the bottom corner. Yeah, uh, yeah. I remember the Beluga song was very loud that <laughs> yeah. day. Yeah. <laughs> um, Three-one win at, at home on TV. I mean, that was that, I, I always thought that was a bit of a, a strange result because the three-one didn't really account for what were unfortunately just Jack Butland errors for a couple of them. Yeah, they were. But I've seen the goals. I've got to admit, I was stretched out on a, a sun lounger in Lanzarote at the time, so <laughs> I wasn't at the game. So, uh, yeah. I, so I can't go into much detail. But quite, I've seen the goal. Yeah, Jack quite but, detail. It, it wasn't. It wasn't the uh, night for Jack Butland, was it? Really? No, no. I think that kind of accelerated the process out of the team. But he is back in the team now. I believe he's uh, he's doing a bit better. But if we look. Um, Towards team news for that game, we'll come on to Millwall after after we discuss everything to do with the Stoke game and the and the team news and things. But uh, Andrew Hughes mm. having to come off yeah. at Wigan, be surprised to see him start, especially with Rafferty on the bench and not necessarily needing to take the risk. And and Millwall are, mm. are a big side for the weekend who mm. might be a smarter choice just to hold him back and maybe use him against Millwall. Yeah, Hughes came off what six no seventy odd minutes, wasn't it? Yeah. And Neil just said, oh, yeah, he was feeling his hamstring a little bit. Now, he didn't seem too concerned about it, but as you said, a, a, a Saturday to a midweek t- game, with a, even if it's only a little slight niggle in the hamstring, it can be a bit of a risk. He, has had, a ham- he had a hamstring issue earlier in the season and yeah. last season. And North End's general history of hamstring yeah. injuries that have bitten yeah. them. It might. So maybe, maybe it will be one where we see Rafferty go back in. You know, I don't think many people will have any alarm at that. I think it was right to play Hughes at Wigan when they were explaining. One, Hughes is an actual left-footed and he should be the first-choice left-back. Yep. However well Rafferty has done, I think, you know, to have to have a natural left-footer down there, open to pitch out, gives you a bit more shape. Um, but if not, if Rafferty, you know, nothing wrong with him going in there. I wouldn't, wouldn't be alarmed at all. If it, if it meant... You know, you, you knew Hughes would be fine for Millwall or the games beyond that. Yeah, so I would. But asking him, we asked Alex Neal about it yesterday. We don't get a lot of feedback on injuries. <laughs> Spoke but about that about Billy Bowden, yeah, didn't it, we? It's one he didn't didn't seem too bothered about. Yeah. To be fair, so we'll, we'll have to see how that one goes. Yeah, and. I thought he had quite a good game, uh, Andrew Hughes, especially mm. the winning headers. I think it's, it might sometimes go a little bit underrated how, how good he is in the air. He's often an out ball down that left wing as well. If, yeah. if you get to the halfway line, just mm. clip it into uh, clip it into his head. Billy Bowden still a little way off, do you think? Still a, a few weeks. Not, yeah, not much been spoken about of late. but It's his it's Achilles tendon. Alex Neal did say that last week when we, we asked him about him. And he said he's not far off. It's one of these ones where... He's feeling a lot better, but when he really has to push it, I think uh, you know he got he, he he got a kick on it from Josh Arup. So in, in training of all things, now does Josh Arup tackle? Yes, yeah. he does, obviously, clearly. But it's it, it's obviously caused him a sort of an issue down there. So I don't I don't think Bolden's right yet. Bayless is going to be a while. He's they're debating if he needs an operation or not on his ankle just to clear up a little bit of floating stuff down there, tidy it up as as they described it. So uh, he might be a little while yet. And Louis Malt, as we said, he's um, he's just got back on the grass after his cruciate ligament operation after his recovery from that. So that that's probably going to be the start next season, I would have thought. Yeah, so do we think, striker-wise, mm-hmm. does he go... Maguire again does he opt for maybe a bigger striker because mm-hmm. the centre halves are, are, yeah. are fairly big or do you go same again as Wigan where you exploit that and try and put a bit of pacing yeah. around them or, it's, it's horses or of course do do? isn't it Tom yeah. yeah do you go and put Stockley up front and go and battle with him yeah. and two against one up in the air is 
is Stockley really going to win them all all the time? Or, as you say, do you put Maguire there and sort of nip him behind him? Do you put Nugent in there? Do you even move Barkhausen back in there? So, and how much does that affect the number 10? Because yeah. if you put Stockley in there, yeah. DJ isn't the type to try and run beyond no. for the flick on. Yeah. So Alan then, Brown is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so yeah. if you then choose to go with Stockley up front, do yeah. you then have to change around maybe the, the positioning of DJ and Brown in the midfield? Or mm. do you drop someone and change yeah. it around because there's, there's a lot of different yeah. it's like a puzzle you take that's what I say it's, it's, it's hard to things. second guess Neil on, on things like that and it's, as we used the phrase before it's horses for courses you know mm. totally different but he probably will, after a win at Wigan he probably won't want to change it too much mm. it, it, you know if he is going to change it it'll be one or two at the, at the most um, so it, it, it is an interesting one when you see the team sheet you're trying to work, oh yeah yeah, see what he's yeah. done there yeah, and it's but... only three days after as well so yeah. he's, at some point he may have to think yeah. about mm-hmm. uh, future games he says he says as much as managers say they won't you will always have an eye on, on future yeah. fixtures he'd already kind of pinpointed the Wigan game for one for Sean or, or, or someone like that who will come in and, and stretch the defence whether yeah. he's got an eye on Millwall and thinks mm-hmm. I can use Sean Maguire again in this game mm-hmm. and use Stockley against Wigan or Nuge against Wigan someone to get in amongst the what is quite a stationary back line where they might sit deep he may he may already have these things in mind yeah he's um with it being a Wednesday night game he's got the advantage it's a extra day recovery from yeah. Wigan but then what you do obviously it's nearer the Millwall game if it was a Tuesday night game you would have been nearer to the Wigan game and then you've got an extra day recovery for the Millwall game but as it is everything shifts a sort of day back so it, it, you know it, it might be that they're quite fresh ready for the Stoke game it might be more changes between Stoke and Millwall to mm. take into account you've had one less day recovery I think Millwall play on Wednesday as well which is which is good it's you know yeah. it's, it's, it's the same sometimes you do get the one you know with these midweek games being spread over the Tuesday and Wednesdays there's times when sometimes you can play on Tuesday and the other team play on Wednesday it gives you a little bit of an advantage and, and vice versa but uh, no both playing on the same day so yeah Millwall have uh, Fulham it's so Fulham. nice nice easy game for us and what London a segue Derby. that is that's flawless <laughs> flawless podcasting that so Millwall what We'll go. We'll go into Millwall at the weekend because obviously we're recording this on Tuesday as per usual. If if there was a Tuesday night game, we would try and record on the Wednesday and incorporate everything. But unfortunately, we can't because of the way um, work is essentially in that Wednesday is the game, Thursday is generally the press conferences, so we just don't have the time in there. Um, so Millwall, they're five points off North End mm-hmm. as we record this. Yeah. They've got Fulham coming up. They can win that, and then essentially the the one result. Within North End, come the weekend, they've 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 really kicked on since yeah. uh, Rowett took over after after Neil Harris mm-hmm. resigned, and they'll be they'll be tricky at the weekend. Yeah, so we played Millwall first game of the season. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't the best game, and so much optimism, and yeah. then <laughs> and then lose. Millwall score half an hour in or something and North End just chased after that but didn't didn't really hurt I don't think they had a, a shot on goal I don't think it was just a, a lot of the ball but without doing anything change of manager since Neil Harris went bit of a Millwall legend mm. and, and pitched up at Cardiff a month later they brought Gary Rowett in who he's, he's had a few clubs hasn't he now mm. you know moved around a little bit uh, maybe taken a couple of jobs Stoke. where the Stoke job didn't work out for him. Yeah. But he seems to have got his teeth into the Millwall job. He's got Callum Davidson, the former North End left back, as his, one of his coaches down there. Yeah. And and he, they've got him on it. He really brought him up the table, hasn't he? He had a cracking run at one point where they, they just came from nowhere to suddenly be in the top six. Yeah. Um, you know, peaked and troughed a little bit since that. Got beat at home by West Brom on Sunday. Uh, but Which you know you they're in they're in off. that they're in that little chasing pack you mm. know that well the chasing pack is basically the top half of the championship yeah. extends almost to the relegation well zone. yeah I'd say top half probably even further further down than yeah. that everyone's thinking about fourteen fancy, fancy a bit of that you yeah. know so um, you know by by now sometimes the chasing pack is three or four clubs but it goes yeah. it goes a lot further Millwall are among you know are in that are in that mix so I think the thing with the chasing pack is that whenever and I, I if I if I look at the table and think you know if if North End lose to Millwall that's essentially a six pointer because they're so close and they can bridge that gap and mm-hmm. there's another team close to them only level on points with Bristol City things like that but 
I think the reason it stays so close is generally mm. teams will lose to other teams chasing yeah. and then those teams will lose to other teams chasing and they all seem to kind of, that this pack seems to trade points off of each yeah. other where some teams will beat some and the others will beat the others and, and it's just a, a really weird scenario which I think is keeping everything tight in that there's not one team that beats everyone below them. It's just, just you can kind of pick a random selection of teams and, mm. and that's who's beating each other. No one's put in a run of like four or five wins together, which is what you need. You know, like Bristol, Bristol City, City have been on a good run. Yeah. They play Birmingham on Friday, take the lead after 40 seconds, everything looks hunky dory, and they end up losing 3 1. Yeah. You know, it's, it's crackers. I put on Twitter that was peak championship. That was yeah. a peak championship result, that, you know. Typical, you can't predict it. Leeds were 11 points clear in second place, the first place of of the playoff pack of going into Christmas. You know, it's down to goal difference now between them and Fulham as we speak on on, on Tuesday morning. Could change again, you know, but there at Brentford, you know, anything could happen there. So it's absolutely, you know, it's an absolute bonkers division. Probably probably more even than it's been for, uh, for a long time. Maybe you've not a standout team anymore, mm-hmm. like you've had in past years with the Wolves or in Newcastle, for example. Even Norwich last year and Sheffield United were, you know, by the end they were pulling away and looked, yeah. once, looked like a top. Once Leeds top, fell away, they, they were the only sides. ones that were yeah. were remotely. Yeah. But you know, I, I just think I don't know. Just squads are getting a lot more even these days. You know, managers are getting a little bit more savvy, and it is it's an absolute sort of. Very, very tight race. It's, it'd be a fascinating one. Yeah, I think it's definitely worth mentioning uh, Jed Wallace as well ahead of the weekend because he's been mm. absolutely brilliant all season for Millwall. He's got mm. 10 goals and 9 assists, as much as you can say how good a season DJ has had. Mm. Some of his goals have been penalties and things like that. Jed Wallace is, is curling in free kicks from yeah. 30 yards. He'll he's been it. brilliant mm. out on yeah. the wing. He's complete... You see a lot of weekends where you see the stats and like successful take-ons and things mm-hmm. like that, because successful dribbles, yeah. and he's always he's always topping those in the division. He's mm-hmm. been he's been a a, a real starter in this season. Players before. seem to find sometimes they can take him a little bit of a career to find a niche somewhere, you know, or the right fit or the right manager to play, and it's just taken off for him really. Mm-hmm. This where's he been? Tranmere, Wolves, Wolves, Portsmouth, I think Portsmouth, as well. Yeah, without doing a huge, you know, yeah, looked, looked, okay, looked, but, a, looked a good player, but yeah. never never really mm. set anything alight like he has yeah. this season but I'm sure Millwall will be if you know looking at the, the other way well DJ what a great season he's having Pearson what a good midfielder you can yeah. I think you can go for every championship side and go wow he's looking good at the moment or yeah. he's had a, a really good season you know it's, it's how it is really yeah that midfield of North Ends is a, is a is a tough one to beat. They've also got Tom Bradshaw on eight goals and, and Matt Smith on seven. So they're getting yeah. they're getting goals out of their strike, which is kind of different to to mm. North End. So mm. you know they've got a, they've got a threat right yeah. down the centre. Yeah. Matt Smith he seems to do a tour of London clubs. Yeah. He? Yeah. When yeah. did he start? Started at Old and went to Leeds, and then he's been yeah, he Fulham QPR. Liverpool. Yeah, scored against Liverpool in the FA Cup, which yeah. kind of got him a move yeah. to uh, Fulham. It to was. Fulham, yeah. yeah, and then yeah. he's he's been well. He went to Leeds in the event, then went to Fulham. Yes. Um, yes. Played Matt. there, then went to QPR, and now now at Millwall. So yeah, yeah. my favourite Matt Smith moment was <laughs> um, Leeds tweeting out to make sure that all their fans stayed stayed up ready for the deadline, yeah. and then tweeted that Matt Smith had let the club left the club. <laughs> God, yeah, <laughs> basically, by the way, we sold him yeah, to Fulham. Yeah. They said they said everyone wait up, our business isn't done yet. Oh, we sold two players. That's it. Everyone, we go. Everyone right, go home. It. Yeah. <laughs> well, what a great what a great end to the window. Uh, right, so. Looking, looking to the Millwall game, it's hard to predict mm-hmm. what what necessarily he'll go with, but it, a lot of it is going to depend on mm-hmm. what happens at Stoke, really. Won't yeah, it? yeah, you know, it's selection, if you know, fitness wise, injuries, if there's anything there. However, well, you know, whatever happens at Stoke, result wise, you know, if they go and get a decent decent result there, you'll want to sort of keep it similar mm. for. For Millwall, but as I say, you know, it's Wednesday, Saturday rather than Tuesday, Saturday, which might alter his thinking sometimes. However, well you do on a Wednesday, you might want to sort of freshen it up, but, um, you know, just a little bit. I think, you know, in, in the past, it's very tempting to keep an unturned side if you've done well, for example. But sometimes by the time you get to that Saturday, you can see sort of an hour in one or two can be a yeah, little a bit, bit leggy, leggy. Yeah. And, you know. So, it, it, as I say, we're, we're, we're looking 
five or six days in advance here and it's hard to do with another result in bet- you know another yeah. game in between but um but they're at home the home form's been good this season um Alex Neal repeated yesterday when we spoke to him he said home form is the key to doing anything he was saying how well Stoke have done at home recently six unbeaten it's that's been the basis of lifting them away from the relegation zone yep. and he said he sort of compared it with North End and how how strong the home form was had sort of lifted lifted you know got North End up to where they are at the moment mm. although the away form now recently is beginning to sort of back that up yep right we'll go to a few questions that came into us uh, from Twitter you can get in touch with us at at Tom Sandals and at said underscore LEP First question: Does Alex Neal have a problem with his best eleven? In that, does he does he know what it is? You know, because he's got different scenarios. He'll have he'll have his best eleven in mind. Whether he can play it on the day is a different different. What is question. his best eleven? What is do you, does any manager have a best eleven now? So mm. apart from if you're one of the real real top sides, I think he's got his best eight or nine. Real plays in goal. The back four um, has a left back Fisher. <laughs> Fisher Hughes as yep. a fullback, Byron Davis. Um, Pearson plays, DJ plays, probably Brown does as well. Barkhazen, then it's Sinclair now. So yep. some you might even only have two places. But set, you know the it's scenario. Still out Galley. What? Yeah, where where do you put Galley in there? Playoff. Say it was a playoff final, a playoff semi final. He might have an. You might. We might all write down our best eleven, but whoever they're playing on that day, you might just think, well, it's worth playing X or Y there and yep. not Z, you know. So um, you think of Liverpool. Liverpool have got their set 4-3-3, everyone in the right places and they're 20-odd points clear at the top of the Premier League. But I think a lot a lot of managers are sort of more in the, yeah, got got my core of eight and mm. then fit another three in. So yeah, dependent on the day. Yeah, because, you know, if, if, if you or me had sat down at the start of the season... Or any North End fan had sat down at the start of the season and put their best North End eleven together of what they thought was the strongest eleven at the time. It'd be nowhere near what is yeah. out there on the pitch. Alan now. Brown, without doubt, would be the number ten off the back yeah. of last season. Yeah, I mean he's not now. You know, D- yeah. DJ didn't start the season at Millwall that first game of the season. He was an unused sub. Yep. Now, you know, he's he's every every game he's been available for. First he started sheet, pretty much. Yeah, isn't and he's got ten goals and five assists. You know, yeah. he's averaging yeah. a goal every two games near enough. Yeah. So um, just need a few more penalties for it to keep yeah, it going, don't yeah, we? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. So it, it it really is an interesting one. You know, mm. at the start of the season, you know, now a lot of people would have a harrop in their ideal strongest eleven. Yeah. Um, at the start of the season, he was still sort of feeling his way back from from his, miss, from his knee injury from the season before, you know. So it does change over time. Yeah, I think some managers do like to have a best eleven. I mm. don't, I, and I think sometimes they can worry about it, and 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 it can be an issue that they're chopping and changing because they're trying to find that right mm. formula, their best formula. I I I would say probably Alex Neal no, doesn't necessarily know his best eleven mm. because I think that depends. But at the same time, I don't think it's something he's worried about. No. So I don't think it's an issue because if he needed his best eleven, mm. he knows the core players, and then it's just the one or two depending on the yeah. opposition. He knows he's got his his kind of spine of his team sorted, which I think is the main thing, rather than necessarily a, a best eleven. Um, another question was. Um, is there enough depth? There seems to be about 18 players that can all be rotated in. Yeah. Assuming there's nothing terrible in the way of Aston Villa of a couple of years ago, 18 players between now and the end of the season can probably work. Yeah, you're looking... I think with depth in squad, they're very strong in certain areas and not in others. Goalkeeper, you think, Rudd's first choice after Ripley's performance against Norwich in the Cup. And then below that, he, that worries you if 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 Rudd did get an injury. Um, full-back positions, you might say a little bit short, maybe. I still think Rafferty's fine covering Hughes. Yep. He, he likes using Clark as a right-back. He's never um, never going to ask him to sort of take a winger on one-on-one. Tom Barkazen's mascot, if needs be. Yeah. That's, yeah. How, that's, how, that's how desperate he is to have him on the pitch, Tom Barkazen. Yeah. And I think the amount of respect that's in the squad for Tom, Tom Clark is that, that... Yeah. 
he was saying that if he's walking out at Wembley in the playoff final and Tom Clark is not involved, he'll have him as a mascot because he yeah. needs him out on that pitch. He needs him. <laughs> yeah. He needs him. He, he loves him in the team that much that yeah. you know he's willing to go to war. And then you put centre halves. You got Huntington and Story to cover. Story, who was like played every every game in the second half of last season, has not had much of a sniff this time. So you've got the numbers there. Midfield's a well-stocked area. I know Bayless and Bolden are out at the moment, but the. You know, I think Galley was an unused sub at Wigan and has been out for four games with three or four games before then. So they have they, they, they seem very strong, I think, down the sides. Ledson and Potts can't even get in the squad, squad as well. Yeah, yeah. So, but so you'd look certain areas of that squad plenty of depth in, others not so. You know, so yeah. you think you think they probably need a different option up front as to, yeah, as to what I'd they say have. This, yeah, definitely any team I would say that wants to be properly successful or yeah. I think I think the one thing that is holding North End back from definitely being a playoff side mm-hmm. is the goals from number the number nine. nine. Yeah. Is it, well, it, we it, talked it, about that before how yeah. few they've got. Really the options are up there is Maguire if you're playing there rather than on the left. Nugent's an out and out striker but he's 34, 30, 34 years old now. Um, His is a very niche role yeah. in this North End side. And then Stockley is your target man role doesn't suit every game. You know, mm. we'll suit some when you need a bit of a battle and to win headers and win second balls. Yeah. When you're trying to slide stuff between defenders, he's not, he's not going to work. So. And one thing I think is an issue with North End when Stockley's on the pitch, I don't think there are enough crosses in there no. for him to attack. Do Too you look much at the coming from of, deep up to him, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The, mm. the amount of work he's got to do to direct those goalwards or to beat the keeper, whether he's got to generate his own power, whether it's coming from... Like my... my bugbear I know I've been a bit of a broken record at times is North End very rarely get to the byline and whip something mm-hmm. across if you're there in that sort of area beyond the 18 yard box making the cross Stockley's got a chance of, of heading it at goal normally the laid back past the 18 yard box and cross in where he's got to either steer a perfect header into the far corner or mm-hmm. catch the keeper wrong footed or something he can't just put his head on it, mm-hmm. put it where he wants and know he can beat the keeper on that. So there's not a great deal of emphasis on Nugent or Stockley scoring no. when they're in the side. Which... It's to bring others into play. He seems to use his number nine to link it up with others and yeah. or and compensate with wingers coming in or midfielders coming in. As you say, the, the two top scorers, DJ's a 10 or a little bit further back. Yep. Barkay's on the wing. He has played up front a little bit. Um so I'm being Harrop either as a 10 or rolling in off the left wing so that's where your goals are coming from mm. not from sort of directly down the middle yep and I think he's I think he's quite happy with that mm. last question then why don't we mark opposition wingers where are we talking about marking him see I think this question means and I think it might have been seen a little bit at Wigan mm. is that when they're picking up the ball around I'd say 35 to 40 yards out so kind of midway in North mm. End's half maybe they the the wingers generally do get mm. easy possession yeah. until they approach say 30 yeah. yards out mm-hmm. 25 yards out where that is when north end will sort of leave their shape and someone will go and press Engage I, him. Yeah. I think my point on that would be I think part of that is giving the wingers time to come back because yeah. I think that's a big part of North End system. Mm-hmm. You often see Tom Barkay's got to track back now, getting yeah, yeah. back and making a little poking yeah. the ball away at the last second before he then starts to engage in the the final third. But I think as well they do like to defend narrow, defend mm-hmm. the cross rather than the player and yeah. and uh, and and kind of engage from their area rather than rather than too. I high. think the best one on one defender is Darnell Fisher, isn't he? He's one you could sort of. One, I suppose, you don't want to engage them 35 yards out because if you, if they get past them, they've got loads of space to run into. Behind, yeah. And, you know, the, the you know teammates can get up to support the, the winger with the ball. As you said, he probably letting them come on to him a bit gets a little bit more time to solidify at the back to get themselves into a shape. And as you say, when the cross does come in, Yep. Um, you know, head it clear because they are they they do clear out the box quite well. Yep. I've noticed that. Um, I think Ben Davies in particular, yeah. in terms of judging the flight of a ball where it's going, mm-hmm. the the amount of times he's able to use his feet or even take a touch or direct mm-hmm. the ball and keep it in play, mm-hmm. I think is brilliant. The other side, 
Patrick Bauer knows where to be to block it, whereas mm. Ben Davies generally puts himself in a position where he can play at yeah. the ball as well. He reads as it, doesn't it. he? Yeah, I think that's why Ben Davies will play in the Premier League. Yeah, at some point it's got it's got yeah. to happen. He reads the game to. so well. Yeah, um, I know there was a again a little bit of an outcry when he put Tom Clark on 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 Saturday at Wigan, but it wasn't so much to mark anyone. It was to go into the you know he yes he was playing as a right back. But where they saw the strength was, was him able to drop back into the box, defend the cross that way, get his head onto things, yeah. which he did. And he pulls out a backwards header from yeah. the, he was, he, uh, running he, towards he, his own goal. Tom Clark, if you play him as a right back, he's not going to stop a nippy winger. If someone mm. wants to take him on, go one on one with him, he'll get past and him. It, so again, it's where you engage him. Do yeah. you either try and let him cross it early by not engaging and clearing it? Or do you defend a bit deeper? And if he does go past him, yeah. he's got he's not got as much room to cross from, you know. So you felt the, the lad Joe Geldart was it for for Wigan, the, the number thirty eight who came on, cracking little players, only yeah. 17, 17 yeah. year old scouser, but in Wigan's youth system, yeah. um, you know we, we got our sister papers over at Wigan, the Wigan Post and the Wigan Observer. The guy who writes that he's been raving about Geldart for months and months and months. Um, and he looked good when he came on, but and you know maybe say oh Clark got to be exposed, but he didn't get past him too often. And a lot of you know like Geldart's late chance when Rudd had to save was actually coming in off the other side, wasn't it? You know, yeah. so it's it's how you use your fullbacks and what what you want from him. Back back to the original question about marking wingers. Yeah. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I suppose uh, in any you know in any position. Yeah, I. Gelhart, I thought, was absolutely brilliant on the yeah. weekend. He's one of like uh, one of a handful of players I've seen this season, and I thought they're very good. I yeah. AZ at, at QPR, I thought, was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, Ajaria both times mm-hmm. with, with North End, I've played against him and 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 Swift. I thought they were all brilliant. I must yeah. admit, Calvin Phillips is often put in that similar sort of bracket but when when North End have played against him I don't think he's stood out anything better no. than necessarily Ben Pearson for example with Gelder I don't know what it was whether it was he was part of a double sub mm. and it was a system change wasn't it he went from went like three at the back to a four, two, three, pretty one. similar match in North End up, yeah. and may, maybe it was a combination of everything but as a substitute he made an impact if you want to bring a substitute on that's what you yeah. want but, uh, but he started the game it could have been uh, could have been a lot different if you ask yeah. me it depends again though it depends Depends how they use him, you know. If he yeah. wasn't, wasn't you, you know. Sometimes, for a young lad like that, it's great to come on when you know you, you're chasing. There's yeah. nothing to lose. North End aren't really Gonna, able to get yeah, out, and so a little bit, it's a bit more space to play him. Yeah. If he'd started from the start, he might not have been able to make the same impact. Yeah. You know, yeah. might have tired so because he was able to cheat as well. Yeah. He didn't have to defend at all. No, he didn't so have to he come could, back. So he could yeah, pick up areas in the in yeah. The so it, it's it's you know. He was obviously a talented lad, but I, th- I think at the moment, from what it looks like, he, he's suited to like coming on and making an impact. Because yeah. if you ta- if you if you're a little bit tired as a defence and you see someone like that running at you, <laughs> wow, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, I think that's that's just about us for this week. Uh, for this week, bit of a, a, a sort of bumper episode that we're covering uh, a couple of teams, and next week will be similar where we've got two games to talk about. But anything else you'd like to add, Dave? No, just hope they can keep up this away format. Um, yeah. You know, at Stoke on on Wednesday night, um, I, I I was so emphasising how important the Wigan game was, winning away at Wigan, because they had Stoke and all the wrong end of the table, who were strong at home, and then we got the two away games later in the month at West Brom and Fulham. Yeah. Now I'm not waving a white flag for either of those, but they are going to be tough games. Like draw from both. You know, yeah, those, and, and just on the Fulham game fantastic backing 1,964 yeah. tickets sold out in a week yeah. less than a week really to be fair they went on sale the other Monday most had gone over the weekend there's just a couple of restricted view ones had been left yeah. and they got sold out on Monday that's a cracking following yeah. there's two there's two boatloads of North End <laughs> fans coming down the Thames they did it two or three years ago when they played there they had a ferry there now they, they've hired a second one this time a group of fans that, that's going to be fantastic yeah. you know so yeah. make uh, sure to send any yeah. get, get pictures on Twitter get videos on Twitter we'd like and to pe- see people it. are still trying to, a few people have been trying to get me on it I'd love to go <laughs> but I've got to be at the ground unfortunately yeah. you know you don't, you don't I don't think it arrives at you know the, the landing 
stage until about half past two. Now, if Tom wants to do all my work for me pre-match, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll happily come and have a, a couple of beers yeah, on, on the boat. Staggering yeah. into Craven Cottage <laughs> yeah. and 15 minutes to go till kickoff. Yeah, I will be on the pitch then if Darnell scores. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, oh, I think that's, you know, there are a few sort of fingers pointed when they didn't shift all the tickets for Wigan, but I still thought 3,300 was a pretty decent following in the end for a game which was on telly. Yep. Um, and obviously... A lot of people had shelled out money to go to, you know, to buy nearly 2,000 Fulham tickets. You know, you've got the additional transport costs to get down there. So the away support this season has been fine. It always it always has been more than 6,000 at Rovers. Yeah. This is the fourth London game. The three previous have all attracted followings of over 1,000, which is pretty good going, considering when you think Charlton was a Sunday lunchtime half 12 no trains running. Yeah. They got... 1,128 went down there. They got 1,300 at QPR, 1,200 at Millwall. 700 going to Stoke when that's on, uh, yeah, on a Wednesday night. Yeah, that could be, you know, as we're taught now, there's another day of sales yet. So that could creep up to sort of eight 900, you know. Yeah. It's not cheap anymore. We've got West oh. Brom on a Tuesday night in a couple of weeks. That's going to be, you know, that's another one to shell out for. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. no, great followings, you know. So, yeah, we know that Leeds take, Four million to every game, and you know, so especially a youth game. Yeah, they yeah. Te- te- you know, they they take so many more, but you they know, won the taking fans to a youth game trophy. Yeah, like Man United, yeah. even though Man United didn't really care. But mm. who's uh, who's to say anything about that? Eh? Uh, right. Well, all there is to say really is uh, thank you very much for listening. Make sure to keep up to date with everything that we uh, do throughout the week at the Lancashire Post. We've got coverage of Preston every day, stories going online with our new look website, which is uh, lots of fun for us at the moment. Um, <laughs> keep in touch with uh, myself and Dave on, on Twitter at Tom Sandals and at said LEP. Also uh, at LEP underscore football to keep up to date with all the stories that are going on there. So it's uh, goodbye from me and... Goodbye from Dave. Sounds like a two runners. There we are. Good night from me. Good night from him. Good night. (laughs) Thank you very much for listening.